Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of VR in Education, where we explore the intersection between virtual reality and learning. Today on the show, we do a deep dive into the great work that Learning Lab 360 is doing in North Carolina, USA. On the show, we have Rebecca Habershaw, who's CEO and academic expert for Learning Lab 360, and we have Jeff Chaudreau, who is also CEO, and he's more of the business side of the company. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. This question is always one of my first on the interview, and that's how did you get started or what was your origin story as it pertains to VR? Well, um, actually, being a teacher, um, I don't usually get the chance to see a lot of new technology. I usually, as a language arts teacher, see books and um, when new technology comes down, I needed training to use it. So uh, lucky for me, my um, husband had um, gotten the latest toy, being a computer programmer, and it was uh, the Oculus Rift. And he put it on my head after, you know, some cajoling and begging. He said, you have to try this. I said, I know you keep saying how awesome it is. So he finally got it on my head and I said, this is really cool. He said, I know I've been telling you this is really cool. I said, no, but it really is cool. I was sitting on a camel and I was looking at the Great Pyramid and I said, my students are actually studying this with their social studies teacher right now. They are studying ancient civilizations and this is perfect for them to be doing in class. So that was kind of my first real, I had tried maybe some other kind of VR, smaller things, but that was my first real immersive VR. And I really, the idea struck me that I could bring this to students. Mm. Similar to me, I put the headset on and I was uh, like you, I was just blown away. My expectations were quite low and I put the headset on, it was an HTC Vive, and I just could not believe how immersive and how real it looked. How about you, Jeff? One thing I always say is I can't talk fast enough to show you what an, that experience is like. And, and that's been proven over and over again. Rebecca came to me about three years ago and said, I can teach my kids about the pyramids. I can show them pictures. I can talk about it all, period. But when that bell rings, maybe one kid is going to remember what we talked about. But if I can stand in the Valley of the Pyramids and he can look up and see the Great Pyramid and turn around and see a camel looking at him, that they're going to remember forever. And that's what I want to do. And, and that's really what started. It's like, how can we deliver this? Well said. Let's focus in on your company for a bit. So tell us a bit more about what Learning Lab is and what they do for schools and education. Great. So Learning Lab is a mobile self-contained lab that we take to the schools. And because we're mobile, we can fit into the school's curriculum. Larger schools, we can be there multiple days. Smaller schools, we can be there as little as a half a day. But what we focus on is educational VR that ties into their curriculum. As we both know, 
the barriers to getting technology into the schools is the high cost of the equipment. What software do you buy? How do you train the staff? How do you maintain the equipment? And to really be successful, you need a champion in every school. And without that, there's failures all over the place. And so we kind of overcome those barriers by bringing it in dozens of lessons, ties into the curriculum. And then we have a teacher on board who manages the kids, uh, follows their lesson plan and maintains our equipment. What a, it's been very successful. What a brilliant idea. Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, I missed that. What was that? Uh, I was just going to say anything you can add to what Jeff already brilliant, brilliantly said? Yeah, he brilliantly said it. I didn't have anything to add. <laughs> that was it in a nutshell. Do you know of anyone that's doing something similar? Because I've, I've been involved doing podcasts and just paying close attention to VR. And you're the first... I've known of people wanting to do something like what you're doing, but to be honest, you're the first person I've stumbled across that has decided to make this a business model. Yeah, I have um, come across some similar, but not quite. I think um, some of the mobile labs they um, that I've seen, there, there may be one that's not specifically VR, they are maybe a science lab and they, I think, try to do activities with the kids. Um, and I think the fact that we do specialized VR and we have a teacher that's with the lab that's just, we have a niche that we do well and we focus on that area makes us stand apart. Because this is so new to many listeners, Walk me through a scenario where, let's say, I'm at a school in North Carolina and I've booked you guys and you're ready to come to my school. Walk us through sort of what, the, what that looks like or entails logistically then. Sure. Um, so basically, um, I would have contacted you about um, the content uh, for any grade. We have any grade level and multiple subjects, uh, science, math, social studies, language arts, um, STEM, anything. And um, so we would pull up the lab early and get it set up, ready to go. And you would have um, contacted me also. I would have asked about the best place to park it. Um, and then you would just have uh, perhaps developed a schedule that suits you. Um, normally, the schools are going with um, a daily uh, schedule and they just have us come for the day and you bring out the kids in groups of 14. Um, typically lessons last about 25 minutes. We start off with a safety speech. Um, it lasts a couple minutes. So the students know, you know, some basic things not to do when they're wearing the headsets and what they're going to be doing. And then, um, after about 20 minutes or so of content, they, um, exit out of the lab and then another group can come in uh, a couple minutes later and we can do that all day long without stopping because the oculus they run on pcs they don't need any charging and so that's another key that the teachers um, and students really like they don't have to wait 
and waste any time during the school day. Um, teachers' classes usually have more than 14. So with the 25-minute lesson period, that helps with their schedule. They have about a 50-minute period or longer. And so we can swap and do 14 and then swap in the middle and do the other 14 um, during the class period. And also in the lab, there's monitors above that show what the kids are doing. Um, so you can actually see what they're experiencing. Um, and I'm in there with them. They can either stay in there and be with me or they can have other um, other people in there, you know, kind of hanging out with me or they can leave the kids with me alone. It doesn't doesn't really matter. They can plan it however they want. Any challenges in regards to weather or setup, any new initiative or innovation for that matter, always has some hiccups and those get ironed out usually as you get going. Do you have any sort of stories of challenges that you had to overcome uh, due to the mobile lab or the setup? One of the issues, <clears throat> one of the issues we had was while we are heated and air conditioned inside the lab, going back and forth in the lab, it can get very cool or very hot. It, it'll eventually catch up, but you know we saw that as a problem. So what we've done on our the next lab, we the next labs that we're ordering is we have a strip of plastic or a series of strips of plastic like you would see in a in a freezer box, for example, in a supermarket. So. It holds the heat, it holds the cold, and that takes care of one of the, uh, the uh, barriers that the teachers might have as, the, as they look at the, whether it works for them. So currently you have one mobile unit and you just alluded to the fact that you're, you're already booked another, is that correct? Absolutely. And is it just within your city or how far out do you go to schools? We have been all over the state of North Carolina with our um, educational VR. We have seen uh, the mountains of North Carolina and the beaches. Wow. And he, uh, we'll probably get, sorry, we'll get into this later on in the podcast. I was going to ask, you know, any aspirations to expand your company and brand beyond North Carolina? Why don't, why don't we address that right away? What are your long-term goals? We have already seen, and we're still compiling data, but we have already seen more than 70 schools and more than 18,000 students since we have been in business for more than two years. And we have contacted the leadership. It's not just individual schools. We're talking with leadership of our state and leadership of our counties because we want this to be a widespread tool that all students use, not just certain privileged schools that have money or certain schools that hear about it or high tech. We want all students to have access to this. We think it is a very valuable experience for all students. And I have been to schools where the teachers are telling me these students may never get to experience something like this ever. Thank you so much for being here. And so I feel like the sky is the limit, really, if you think about it. You can take a mobile lab just about anywhere in the country. It's just a matter of getting them out there. So we would love to continue to grow, have more labs, and develop more scenarios, which we haven't talked about quite yet, but we can also do custom VR. 
So wherever there's um, some kind of curriculum tie-in that maybe there's no existing uh, VR, we can do something related to it. We had a teacher come to us and say, you know, my students would really like to go to the Carolina Tiger Rescue in Pittsburgh. And that would be a cool VR trip, but, you know, I can't take them uh, for different reasons, variety of reasons, waivers, different things. So since she volunteered there, she got us connected with them and we are trying to work with them to do 360 videotaping there, uh, which we have all the equipment to do and, and make a VR trip out of it, which my husband is perfectly capable of, of doing the, uh, the programming for in unity and putting something like that together. We've already done some VR training for nurses at WCU in Asheville. So, so the, the short answer, Craig, is we're talking with investors because one thing, and you alluded to it earlier, is many people want to get into this space, and I'll talk business for a second, sorry. They want to get into this space but haven't quite figured out how to do it on a large scale. We think that this makes absolutely perfect sense for someone who wants to get into VR and also someone who's already been in VR and has had some of the challenges that we talked about earlier. So we're talking with groups in Indiana, Wyoming, uh, LA. We just talked, we got a conference call last week ago? Yes. A week ago with, with a group in, in LA, looking at LA schools. So we think this has legs and, and we're going to run with it as fast as we can. Jeff, I, I agree with you. Even when I was first starting up in Canada, our school which was an affluent private school, had a, a, a donor give us a bunch of money. And so we set up uh, a static or uh, a room that had three VR units. And what happened was the percolation of what was going on there. Next thing you know, there are kids telling other kids. And pretty soon we're getting phone calls from people saying, you know, I know your students get to use it. Is there any chance that, you know, the the Boys and Girls Club could use it. Or, you know, there was a, a dance group that w was interested in trying to learn a bit more about uh, VR and dance. And so it's it's amazing. Again, you know, the industry is just in its infancy. As as you get more headsets on people, they realize the, the power and the efficacy that VR can entail. Yeah, we've actually been to community centers in the summertime and after school programs uh, in, in the weekends and weeknights. It can be utilized just as well as it is during the week. So it's a very efficient system. Also, a teacher, what did they call it? Oh, professional development. With, yeah. with, the, with the teachers, because many times the teachers are more excited about it than the kids are. <laughs> they really are. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's actually a training tool when you take it to the schools and they see, oh, this is how it works. This is VR. Oh, I've never tried this. Let me try it with the kids. It kind of gets them excited about it, whereas before they might have been a little tentative and not wanted yes. to try VR. Rebecca, what are some of the examples of favorite content that are used? Well, one of the uh, producers of content that we use uh, is Unimersive, and we contacted uh, the founder early on, and he is international, and he has a virtual classroom with some amazing experiences. And so 
you have a virtual classroom and you could just pick from a screen in front of you. And so it's very popular because you can pick from a variety or we can focus on one. So there's International Space Station on there. There's dinosaurs. There's the Titanic. There's ancient Rome in there and Acropolis. And so you can actually see the ancient Rome uh, buildings as they were back in the day. It's been recreated and then interspersed our photos of what it looks like today in ruins uh, with tourists standing around because it's actual 360 photos. And so that's really good for comparison. And plus, there's a narrator telling you facts along the way. So that's a real popular, um, you know, any one of those from there are really um, popular. Is all that content accessed via the cloud and internet, or is it downloaded on each of the individual machines? You can, it's downloaded on individual machines, and you can also get it through the Oculus when your mobile when, when your mobile app pulls up, does it have Wi-Fi <laughs> or internet access? We can have limited Wi-Fi, but we don't need it because we have everything downloaded ahead of time. We don't want to have any of those issues with spotty Wi-Fi. Typically, what does a school pay for a pricing system to come and access the mobile app? So what do you think would be a fair price, Craig? <laughs> um, normally, I'm the one. I have a reason for asking it, too. Normally, I'm the <laughs> one that puts someone on the spot. So you put me on the spot here. I have to think about it for a minute. So what about $5 a day per student? Yeah, that's that's almost a cup of coffee, right? That's exactly right. And in fact, uh, I'm kind of stealing Rebecca's thunder a little bit, but we met with a very poor school district, a county actually in, in North Carolina, who is looking at this for their Title I, their poorer schools, because it's reasonably priced, and they, we can now bring technology anywhere. I always say we put wheels on the thing so we can take it wherever we're needed. And everyone's coming up with these scenarios about how to get it to the most underserved schools in, in every area. We, we think that's just something that nobody's ever really thought about, but but it's becoming more of an issue for us. I mean, if you think about um, a field trip, a virtual field trip or a guest speaker or something that you want the kids to experience, even something small, you might have to get a bus. You might have to um, have a lunch or something like that. It's going to at least cost five bucks or more. So for $5, you know, it's very low hassle and you have a certified teacher there the kids get an amazing experience. And I, I hear so many times, this is the best field trip I've ever had. Thank you. When are you coming back? Can you, are you going to be here tomorrow? The kids say. Um, and a lot of teachers have said that's the best $5 I've mm. ever spent <laughs> for the kids. Um, and a lot of ways to pay for it as well. There's grants. There's, you know, uh, charging the kids' parents for the field trip, like I said. Or there's school funding that you could pay, you know, for it. But um, I really feel like it's not a, that much when you consider you go to a VR arcade and you may pay a dollar a minute. So it's a dollar for, say, five minutes because they're getting a 25-minute lesson for five dollars. 
And then we have a daily rate, which if you think of a daily rate as, um, you know, buying in bulk, we can service about 200 kids in a day. And our daily rate is only $750. Sometimes when people are considering VR, they always ask the question, well, you know, how can this new tool, this shiny new technology, how can it help my school or district raise test scores? What's your answer to that, Rebecca, if someone asks you that? Well, that is a very good question. There is emerging um, studies that I've heard, uh, I think out of China, that I need to look into. Previously, I don't think there's any actual studies and data showing this. I can tell you observationally that these kids' brains are lit up when they are in the learning lab. They are talking about what they see, they are engaged in what they see, and it is curriculum related because we pull straight from their standards what they are seeing. Um, but there is a, uh, a an availability of grants in order to study VR and its effect on students. And I am, and Learning Lab is very committed to finding out you know, the impact of VR on education. And so this is something that we want quantitative data on. So we're looking actively to partner with universities, uh, especially in our state, to find out, you know, how effective is it and, and how do we, we know it's effective, how can we quantify that and show that? So that's something we're talking to um, the school districts mm. about specifically. I joked on Twitter once, when someone did ask me that question, I said my my outside voice said something similar to what you said. That was, yeah, there are studies out there. It definitely increases motivation and engagement, which then can turn into higher scores on tests. But my, my in, inside voice in my head said, who cares? It's more about it's more about big <laughs> ideas and getting kids to think about and ruminate on concepts. Um, I think we get fixated too often on quantitative measurement and we forget that there's other sides to this complex thing called teaching and learning that aren't necessarily measured by a test. True, uh, especially when game-based learning came out too, they were concerned about you know that difference. And I can tell you, we have combined a little bit of that game-based learning with the VR in that students, in order to you know move on to the next section of the 360 experience, they might have to answer a question that's curriculum related, and they can get points along the way. Uh, so that's another way of being able to tell, hey, are they getting the information? And we can always do pre and post tests as well. So that's another way of quantifying what they're learning without them really having to sit down and, hey, are you learning from this? Let's make sure this is educational. Yes. <laughs> so many of the universities no, you I'm go sorry, ahead. go ahead. Many of the universities that we're talking to are already participating in grants, have, have written some great VR content, but the piece they're missing is how do you have a venue to show it to people and how do you evaluate its effectiveness? So we're working with them, and then just recently we're talking with other companies who are already figuring out how to measure how kids learn. And from that comes, 
how they retain, how they absorb. And so we think that based on our labs, that there's going to be some really good data out there to show that it's not just a toy. It's it's a great way for kids to absorb and retain what they're learning. Not only that, but content developers mostly right now are building experiences that are in the gaming industry, first-person shooter experiences. But as education starts to warm up to VR, which it is, content developers, I believe, financially will want to pivot to make uh, more applicable educational experiences. I absolutely agree with you. In fact, uh, we were at a conference last week in San Francisco, and the content makers out there to a person said, we really like VR and education, but we can't figure out how to penetrate the market. And that's where I think our partnership with these kind of folks is going to help with that STEM and STEAM. And I'll give you a really good example. One of the things we're looking at is how do we encourage young students and not young students, high school students to decide on what they want to do with the rest of their life? An engineering firm came up to us and said, we're losing engineers. We're losing them at the get-go. They come in and say, oh, engineering is boring. I don't want to bother with this. I'm going to take something fun. They have a program they designed for their engineers that looks at, and I, I'll probably say it wrong, but it's a measure of water flow on a particular plot of ground and how it, how it flows and, and how you have to do your civil engineering to, to manage that water flow. And so we talked about, could you do that on a light so that kids could see what they can do with an engineering degree and actually manage that flow and how you build houses and, and, and how you irrigate crops and all that. And they said, that would be great. So that's just one of the collaborations we're looking at to, to say, okay, there's lots of opportunity out here. Rebecca, of all the different subjects and disciplines within a school, which one would you say books your labs the most? Hmm. I would have to say hmm. science. I think science does. But it's a variety. It's a real variety. I would say science. We have science content, space-related, and oceans-related. So, guys, what's next? You talked about booking or uh, designing one more mobile unit. Any other goals that maybe we haven't talked about for you guys in 2020? We are absolutely looking at funding for our creative center where we don't necessarily have to lean on everybody else's licensed products and we're creating our own products that actually tie in much better with curriculums and learning, learning experiences and uh, being able to measure whether it's successful or not. So we, we think that's an absolute 100% goal for this year. An offshoot of that is our training center, which we're working with the universities that are creating training videos for right now, nursing students. So we create scenes that nurses can observe before they have a live patient in front of them. And, and by scenes, I'm talking about anaphylactic shock 
or opioid overdose or a heart attack. So they get a chance to see how it presents. They have to answer questions that tie into their curriculum. We see that is a huge, a huge uh, way for us to expand this wow. year. Wow, I have a, a friend that's a professor up in Canada in the Faculty of Education, and he keeps contacting me saying, can you tell me someone that, that might develop a VR application to train uh, teachers? So you would have a virtual classroom, maybe a, a number of those students are AI, and the teacher has to try and either work on their discipline, so management, or possibly just practice how you would orchestrate uh, the running of that classroom. That's a fantastic idea. Or like special needs students, how to handle maybe something along those lines. Uh, I would love to get in contact with uh, that person. Well, hopefully fantastic. we keep in touch, Jeff and Rebecca. Anything else, anything else that right. wasn't said that you were hoping to get across to the listeners in this podcast? Um, if they have any questions or comments for us, um, you go to learninglab360.com. And you can um, enter in the form for us. You can contact us that way and check out our Twitter site. We have some great um, testimonials because when we go out, people like to take pictures and post video of people trying out the VR. So you can see that of what we're up to and um, say hello. If you have uh, anything for us, that would be great. And we've so enjoyed this talk. Anything, Jeff? I think the biggest thing that we see opportunities are the ideas that people have when we talk to them. As we open this up and we say, you know what, this really makes sense. It's ready for prime time. And we want to talk with folks and say, hey, can you dot, dot, dot. And we really, we really want to talk to those folks that are saying, hey, how can I make this work? How what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. That That's the kind of stuff that gets our juices flowing and, and makes us excited to come in. I'll tell you what, you that's guys right. have done something that many people I talk to in the industry think about and have just never, like I said, pulled the pin on the, the business model. So hopefully the word gets out. And I just love the idea that people are getting more headsets on students because as you know, that's when the magic happens. It really is. And that's a good point too, because as we talk with the headset hardware makers, it's, you know what? We have 18,000 kids who have tried the hardware. I don't know how many went and dragged their dad into Best Buy, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, guys. If you hold on after, I can debrief and just say a few informal goodbyes. But for now, thanks so much for being on the show. And I wish you guys the best as your business model starts to grow.